Hey guys, welcome to episode 5151 of Bo Knows Stuff. Looking to always learn, expand, grow, hopefully get you guys 1% better through these fun conversations with folks I've gotten the privilege and honor to know throughout my life. So this episode is with Michelle Rigby Assad. She is a former CIA intelligence officer and her book Breaking Cover is an awesome read. I really recommend you check it out. Should have a link somewhere if you're listening to this in the show notes, hopefully. Um, Yeah, I, I really had a good time with Michelle catching up, talking, and even planning for it was 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 fun to kind of attack uh, what we're going to talk about. So uh, really interesting stuff. Uh, big big takeaway is get off the X. And if you know what that means, it's, it's a powerful thing uh, to kind of have in your daily life. Uh, I actually had a small car accident uh, shortly after recording this and, and going through this conversation where... I saw some trouble happening on the side of me here, and it's all caught on video, actually. It's on my YouTube channel if you want to see it. And um, I was literally thinking, get off the X of, of, like, get out of the way of this danger that, that's happening. And luckily, I was able to get out of the way, and, and nobody was actually hurt, uh, even the driver who uh, caused the whole thing. Anyway, uh, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this, this chat. Uh, again, very interesting stuff. Um, always fascinated with like CIA spy kind of thrillers uh, uh, when it comes to watching movies. And uh, yeah, side note, if you do like this, uh, please like, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. When it comes to podcasts, uh, please rate, review if you can in Apple Podcasts. That really helps it grow. Share it with someone you think would enjoy it. And again, hope you guys uh, having a great day. If you're interested at all in working with me, talking about the five pillars of health, getting you into a long-term physical retirement plan, uh, that's that's what I'm doing with folks and, and hopefully getting people at least 1% better every day. If you're interested in that, there again should be a link. You can schedule a free call with me at calendly.com slash fitcare, F-I-T-C-A-R-E. With all that said, enjoy the episode, guys live so hey we're live here we are bono stuff with michelle rigby assad oh i didn't i didn't do, i didn't cue up your theme song the right way here we go we got a little spy music from alias hopefully we don't get copyright infringed here uh youtube tends to like doing that stuff so kind of keep it in the back and all that anyway michelle how are you today in the lovely state of florida i'm doing great Bo. and uh, no shocker here the sun is shining <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, we we were in SoCal, as you know, before this, and yeah, it was, every single day was like it was amazing, uh, just having sunshine every day. We're in Colorado now, so it is it's a little all over the place. Uh, <laughs> we do have some beautiful sunshine right now, but the sun here is intense because we are more than a mile high um, where we are. So it's, yes. when the sun's out, uh, I'm, I've 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 been very anti sunscreen, and uh, I don't know how you feel about sunscreen. For, I, I, I'm anti-sunscreen from like a health perspective that we should be getting our vitamin D and all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, here it's pretty strong. So I'm like, I, I, I do need to be careful. Um, for, for sure. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So are you a sunscreen? You, um, I try. I, I'm pretty good about it. But at the same time, um, I'll find myself going out in the yard to pick a weed. And then three hours later, <laughs> like, <laughs> like here I am still outside. No yeah. sunscreen, no nothing. But yeah. Yeah. So we will, I, I kind of want to skip over the, the most exciting stuff that people are probably here for. But I will shout out your book, Breaking Cover here. Yay. My Secret Life in the CIA and what it taught me about what's worth fighting for. 
Um, and this was published a few years ago now. Yes, uh, right. 2018. Yeah, and so, and again, I'll, I'll tell anyone watching, listening that, uh, as I said to her before we jumped on live, is if you just go to YouTube and search Michelle CIA, uh, and that's one L, no, I always have to, some, some Michelles are two L's, um, but I always have to uh, do that. So Michelle CIA, you will find two TED talk, two TEDx talks, mm -hmm. um, a Google talk, uh, and a bunch of other talks. So if you, <laughs> plenty of plenty of stuff. And again, I want to kind of avoid the, um, you know, tell me about the Middle East and tell me about that uh, and all that. And we actually, uh, I'll share that part as we had a little bit of an overlap as you were finishing up some work in Abu Dhabi. Um, and that was probably toward mm -hmm. the end of your like full tenure in, in the Middle East. And you're pretty yes. much saying, let's, let's get out of here after all these years. Um, so I have, we had like a month or two overlap when I was in Dubai, mm -hmm. uh, opening up a gym. So yeah, that was cool to, to be able to connect out there. And, um, yeah, yes, so. that was awesome. But except, except we should have overlapped more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would have been nicer for sure. For sure. Um, and so, yeah, we'll skip past some of that, but I do, again, I'll, I'll just say there was so many cool takeaways, a lot of uh, themes that, that come up. And again, you were on the today show, uh, the work you guys did, uh, helping the, uh, Christian refugees mm -hmm. escape Syria. It was uh, escape, uh, Northern Iraq. So Northern ISIS, Iraq. Yeah. ISIS in Northern Sorry. Iraq. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So that stuff was all over ABC 2020. Mm -hmm. All that stuff. So anyone who wants to to go and do that, just want to again shout out some of those accolades and uh, and again even backing up for those is you start in the CIA right after kind of September 11th, um, yes. and you did at least 10, 10 years mm -hmm. with the organ the the organization. What, yes, and, the organization. Uh, the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So and and again, I'm I'm a big fan of the um, the spy genre as as a like just entertainment observer um and i think it is super interesting so yeah it's hard for me to not like what was it like when you did the thing and da, da, da. but uh I, I think there was a very cool video which was with gq that you did or was it uh, vanity, oh, vanity it, fair business insider maybe, business, maybe mm -hmm. where you got to break down yes. some of the uh business insider sorry to the other uh brands there but yeah so and you got to break down like what what's this scene in mission impossible like how does that mm -hmm. compare to reality or homeland and things like that so yeah i always I was a big fan of Homeland for sure. And I was like, when I first met you through Julie, our, uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, she, uh, it was that like, oh my God. And like, you had the dark hair and I was always like, oh my God, you're Carrie Matheson. Oh my God. But yeah, it, it was, it was like, I, I don't want to ask all those kind of uh, whatever fanboy questions as it were, but yeah, so we'll jump past all that. Okay. Um, if, if that's all right, unless you really want to spend more time repeating a lot of the same stories that you've I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. A, a hundred times. Ask me whatever you like though, but I think yeah. you've got some good questions coming here. Yeah. So the one where we'll stick a little bit more to the traditional, um, side, but maybe a little bit of a twist is how the sales kind of side of it. So again, you talk about, um, and, and for those, again, I, I really encourage folks go and check out her book and the book does read and not to, you know, overly sell it or be whatever, but it does read like a, a spy novel in some capacity. And it was very cool to compare all the Hollywood stuff to like, oh, this is like a real story. And again, um, you know, I, I've heard you talk about it enough times that it's, it's pretty cool that you got permission to share a lot of this stuff. And it's sometimes I'm like, are they sure they want some of this out there? I'm like, can't this be used somehow? As, or is it just like, this is boilerplate stuff that kind of any other 
spy agency probably knows. And so yeah. it's not not really like any any huge revelations. But yeah, it's super, super uh, smooth read. And like you yeah. get into the stories of like, oh, what, what happens next? Like getting off the X is a, is a cool one of like, okay, there's this guy and she's like, you know, people are swarming in and you do a really good job of, of building that um, tension. And again, I don't, I don't read a lot of um, even uh, fiction. So it almost felt like that fiction, but then to realize, and, and, and that in the spy genre also, it's like when it says like, this is based on true events that were, you know, modified, like that stuff is always like, oh, wow. Like that, that always hits a little harder. So yeah, that stuff is yeah. very, very powerful. And I'm sure it is more for you since you actually lived it. Um, <laughs> Yes, but the, the question being uh, to the sales side of, of things of, again, you're, you have this bubbly personality, uh, you know, the, you talk about being the walking contradiction of uh, being able to lie, but also being a very honest person. Um, and so when that comes to sales and the way you portray it is, I'm just going to be myself, like you have your training, but at the same time, um, it's, I want to connect with this person. If, if it's somebody who happens to have a, a very big ego, you're going to have to boost that ego, like as you again say, most terrorists have really big egos. Um, so the question becomes, how do you sell someone on on these things? Where for me, like for physical therapy, I'm like, I want to help you be healthy, and we'll talk about some of that stuff uh, in other capacities. But it's a tough sell for sometimes. I'm like, why are you not buying the thing I'm selling? Um, and and it is again in in um, in our side of the, of the the like the business coaching, if you will. It's like, you got to tell the story. You got to connect with the people. There's a building a story brand where you put the person you're trying to sell in the hero's journey. If, if, if you're familiar with that and, and those listening. Um, so yeah, I guess is uh, a, I'd love to hear if you're familiar with the hero's journey, cause that's a cool concept for sure. And then B yeah. Like how, how do you transfer those sales skills? Like, do you think you could go and, and be a car salesman tomorrow? And, and be a successful car salesman. I could if I if I knew my cars well enough. So I think first of all, yeah. I really have to know your product. I love cars, but I don't think I know enough details. However, I think that if you're going to sell something, you have to know your product inside and out, first of all, because people can sniff a fake a mm -hmm. mile away. And so I think for what was really important for me was um, understanding terrorism issues, Arab cultural issues. And if I didn't have that, I couldn't have done what I did. But I think it's interesting when you talk about contradictions, you have to bring yourself into the meeting. You have to be authentically you with your personality to make a connection with someone. Yet at the same time, you have to kind of amend how you interact with that person based on who they are. So isn't that a contradiction? Like I have to be myself, but I also have to, um, be whatever uh, that other person is looking for. Or I have to present something to them that makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. So I think in my world, what that meant was I had to figure out with that terrorist or insurgent or that source, what motivated them. So what kind of a person are they? What, what makes them behave uh, in the, in the, what makes them do what they do and how, what makes them tick? Right. Yeah. So once you figure that out, then you know better how to present yourself or your product or whatever it is you're selling. You know, one terrorist might be really, really intelligent and one might be kind of dull. You know, you, yeah. you and then you speak to them differently um, as you would to anyone you're selling to. Um, another source I might have would have been 
um, like a PhD level individual who wasn't a terrorist, but who happened to know some folks involved in that world and could, could uh, report to us. I'm gonna speak very differently to a PhD. Then I'm gonna speak to like that street smart uh, dude who owns the block mm -hmm. because he's just a scary guy. So I think it's really important. I think a lot of people forget that. And even in the CIA, my colleagues would just think it's another source meeting, just another source meeting. And they forgot that it was a dynamic, constantly changing interaction with another human being, each of which was very different. And so if you find yourself um, forgetting that in your sales job, in your marketing job, you're, you're going to slip. You're not going to be mm -hmm. able to be as successful unless you know how to, um, to reach the person that you're dealing with fundamentally. Yeah, 100%. Uh one thing that reminded me of is we talked a little before our call about the micro expressions and things like that. So when you're talking about, you know, I, I obviously, A, I think it was very cool. You talked about in your book how even as a, a little girl, you were able to sense the this empathetic kind of concept and or ability to read other people. Um, and Megan Kelly sh said women are better than men at that. Whatever we can argue about that when she had when when she was on uh, when you were on her show. Um, but yeah, that's probably an accurate thing. But um, the micro expressions bit of it. Uh, I don't buy into that. Right, Not micro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You go. You go on the macro. So so yes. there's definitely ways that we can uh, sense body language. So like the one thing, one of the stories you tell in the book is is the one guy who you weren't sure about. You had that feeling, and you talk about intuition. You turn that into basically the two. Well, the the one TED talk uh, of of mm -hmm. like trusting your gut. Um, yeah. And the the part there is is it took a while. Like it was just there that kind of gnawing feeling. Yes. Um, and it's super interesting that you talk about that. Um, and, and again, we talked about it, it connects to me and I, it, you know, I, you've known me for a while, I think seven years now. Um, yeah. and, and I tend to tell stories in, in all sorts of tangents. So, uh, pardon me, dear listener and pardon me, Michelle. And there's also, a let me know if that's too loud from the, uh, the grass guy outside. That's not bad. Yeah. Okay, good. You're good. So where I was going with that is, um, yeah, with with actually, I, I totally lost my train of thought because of the grass guy, but that's okay. Micro expressions and and um, and the thing is really important. You will get an intuition about how you feel about someone, and you will realize that you've been reading their body language, and it's been telling you something. Mm. And it happens so quickly in your brain, that processing, that it feels like an intuition because you're just not sure how you got there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to be completely aware that not only when you're interacting with human beings are you listening to what they're saying but you're watching what they're doing and so if you're a car salesman and you're trying to sell a car to them that's not going to match their lifestyle or their interest and you if you watch them start backing away or turning their shoulders that's an indication they're not really buying what you're selling mm -hmm, uh, so mm -hmm. it is very important to be aware of the reactions of the person that you're dealing with and it can manifest itself in so many different ways eye contact uh, you know whether they're standing straight looking at you whether they're backing away whether they're picking lint off their clothes everything everything matters and so you've got to get really good at understanding what those little things might mean in your yeah. various contexts 100 percent. yeah and that was the other big takeaway i think for me 
from your uh, your story and stories is uh, building the skill set that you don't even realize you're building because you kind of again uh, stumbled into these mm-hmm. roles uh, on becoming a super spy uh, and the the Jane, Jane Bond. Um, <laughs> but the that building that skill set is something that I think uh, same you know I feel the same way about kind of my journey is is. I didn't necessarily know I was going to be. I kind of had that feeling around, like I just want to learn about the human body, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, it, it really is a cool way that you built that. You know, at what point did you start learning? You know, a little bit of the Arabic language. Clearly, you, you did want to go down that route, um, and then having this innate skill set around uh, reading people and 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 how to how to process that, and having that. Uh, again, awareness and refinement of the skill set of having something like that where people might not get that initial job. Again, I've heard you talk about, uh, you know, getting rejected and you need the experience in order to get the job you actually want. Uh, but continuing to build a skill set and ha- it's it's a, you know, that innate resume that yeah. someone's going to eventually see and be like, oh, I didn't even know this was a job, a type right. of job as, as you did with um, being an intelligence officer. Right, and then so you're like, I think oh. it's really important to let curiosity drive what you, you be your motivation and drive what you uh, deep dive into. So your curiosity was, you know, human movement. I'm movement just, I'm just gonna let, I'm just gonna let Lexi out here. Hold sure. on, here. no problem. You can keep talking. Okay. So um, my curiosity was uh, about foreign cultures. And then I honed in on being so fascinated by the Arab world, and I was uh, deep diving into um, these people seem really different in certain ways. And so why? Um, why do they act that way? Or why do they behave in this manner? Or how do they read things differently than me? So I always tell people, like, let your curiosity deep dive you into something and then let the career follow, right? So some people are so concerned with building career when they really should be about building your knowledge, your skill set, your curiosity about something and becoming really good at that thing. And then voila, you find yourself uh, five, uh, 10 years later, and you have an intuition for movement and muscle and um, body parts and how they're supposed (laughs) to move and motion. I have an intuitive skill set for human behavior when they're being questioned or where you're interacting with them on tough stuff, whether they're lying or whether they're telling the truth. So I think it's so fascinating that the fruit of the struggle to understand is what creates the expertise. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's super interesting. And I can't, I can't, uh, I can't double down on that enough. And again, you know, I have nephews and nieces in in that kind of teenage years and they're going to high school, college, and it's just that, that, that's the advice I wish more people would understand. Um, mm-hmm. And again, the jobs that might be around 10 years from now are, are ones that we might not even know about today. Yeah, um, Where again, 10 years ago, there were no uh, Instagram influencers and, and how do you build that skill set around that, right? right. Um, we did get a question here from a high school buddy of mine. I don't know if you can read that. Um, I'll read it out loud as you process it. Is uh, from uh, Michael Doris. If you're naturally a shy person or timid, how do you work on masking your anxiety or give more of a sense of confidence on a daily basis? So um, I dealt with lacking confidence (laughs) seriously in the CIA because I'm from a small town and I never imagined uh, being in the CIA. And I felt very, that imposter syndrome was just plagued me. Um, 
you know, like they always say, I know this is just saying something you probably have heard a thousand times, but you really do fake it until you make it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you put your, you use your body language to tell people the opposite of what you might be feeling. So you put those shoulders back and you walk through the hallways of the CIA and you, you know, you, um, put your, your chin up and your head up and you act like you're supposed to be there <laughs> if you feel the opposite. And I find that the more that you do that, um, the more that you actually, uh, embody what you want to be, you kind of slowly become that. Mm. Yeah. So I always like you feel confident by trying to be confident and, and boosting that in yourself. And so I feel like the little steps do matter when it comes to confidence. And there is uh, some interesting physiological research on my, as you mentioned, my expertise is if you fake the smile, you'll eventually actually have some release of endorphins and be a happier person. So even saying like positive affirmations, even if you don't believe mm -hmm. it, uh, it is like getting yourself to do that, like uh, the old Saturday Night Live uh, skit of I'm I'm good enough, I'm good looking, yes. and gosh darn it, people like me. Yeah. Um, you know, just push, and it is whether you're manifesting that or however you want to look at it, but there is actual physiological research showing that, yeah, even faking yeah. a smile, hi, hi. It, it actually like, works, totally yeah, works. That hurts and my you face. remember, you know, you're around people and they, and I have seen other individuals negative talk out loud and I think, geez, that's so destructive and harmful. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in positions of like being in CIA training. So you're, you're about to kick off in your car and you're about to run a two or three hour surveillance detection route through uh, X city. And you're supposed to be trying to figure out if someone's following you. This is like high intensity pressure, high stress. So you're driving, you're trying to follow your route. You're trying not to hit other cars. You're trying to look for surveillance. You're trying to get uh, plate numbers off the cars behind you. You're trying to get physical descriptions of people in the car. Dude, it is seriously stressful. <laughs> and you're sitting in your car and you're ready to kick off and you're like, my God, I don't know if I can do this. And then what you say to yourself is, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do this. You can, and, and that, and I had to constantly self-talk mm -hmm. myself forward. Yes, you can, mm -hmm. you can do this. You, and, and I found that the people who really, um, kind of marinated in the negativity mm -hmm. didn't get through the program. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we see again, tons of research and I've done a few different courses just about language and saying, I have to go pick up, you know, so-and-so at the airport or whatever versus being like, Hey, I get to pick up Michelle at the airport. Um, and, and the get to verse have to alone, th little switches like that become such a big difference. And, uh, I, it was funny uh, in reading your book recently, uh, you mentioned, uh, in Iraq, I think, and the bombs falling around you all over the place, calling it groundhog day. Um, of, <laughs> yes. of, and so it's funny cause yeah, my wife, uh, she's been, uh, waking up every morning uh, a little bit earlier as part of her like health commitment of and we're, that, we're that's going to segue us nicely into our next bit but uh and she calls it groundhog day because every morning she has to get up a little early and she's like oh i gotta do a 10 minute jog and 10 minute uh meditation and, and i'm like you, you're choosing to do that like you can be happy about it and i kind of called her out on being like it's groundhog day again and like we have to <laughs> remind each other right like we all yeah. need that because we yeah. all have those moments <laughs> exactly it's human nature for sure and especially yeah. being uh, in this relatively privileged world of like, yeah, it could be, you could be facing, you know, uh, mortars and IEDs and, and all that stuff day to day. And so it could be worse, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. and again, you're choosing to do that. So, and, and it's the, the gratitude is the attitude, all that fun stuff. So, uh, but that segues us to 
the physical side, the stress side, the health side, all that stuff. And I think you were actually pretty excited to talk about this, which is awesome for me. But I am. Uh, you mentioned the stress, you mentioned all that. Uh, and yeah, just t take us through 10 year career in one of probably the most high stress, I imagine, jobs. And if we're checking your cortisol levels and things like that, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you get very, it sounded like, again, through telling the stories, you get very little downtime. Um, right. so little, you know, it's, it's not the Caribbean islands, uh, you get a little three month staycation, whatever, every, <laughs> every little bit so you can reset, but yeah, it's constant kind of pounding. Uh, and yeah, 10 year career. Some people like I was working for 40 years, like, okay, try 10 years of, of this thing. Right. So yeah. Tell yes. us how you were able to keep up with that and where you prioritized it and all that, all that fun stuff. So I think that it's helpful to kind of set the stage so people understand what it was like. Um, so for instance, in Baghdad for the year, you've talked, uh, you've mentioned that I was there in Iraq. Um, we were there in the worst part of the, the war and what that involved was every single day waking up to a car bomb. I don't know why every morning it went off around uh, between six and 8 a.m. Oh, I think I know because that's where people were going to work and yeah. where they were. Um, it was, uh, there were a lot of targets in the street, right? So the car bomb would go off, boom, and it would shake the little pods we were living in. And then you knew, you know, dozens of people just died. Um, then you would go through your day and I would work, oh my goodness, 12, 13, 14 hour days, which was ridiculous. And Throughout that day, the high intensity nature of that work was a source will call in, here's the location of the car bomb. You've got to get this thing because if you don't get it today, they're going to deploy it tomorrow. Or here is where the IED is buried in the road and your soldiers are about to roll over it. And so you got to take that information. You've got to run up the stairs. You've got to find the battle space commander. You've got to call that stuff in hair on fire every yeah. hour of the day. So you are get you are getting intelligence in the door and then you're pushing it out as quickly as you can to the people that need it to, in order to save American and Iraqi lives. So it was it was not like, you know, I don't I don't feel like working today or <laughs> I'm a little bit tired. It's like there's an IED buried in the road. I you and, know, you can't put that off till tomorrow. And I'll, sh I'll share your the story from from the book of uh, going back be before you went to Iraq and you went to the um, administrative office in in D.C. And the, the woman's like, tell them I don't have time for them today. I had a really bad day. I had a tra bad traffic day. And, and, and that's where <laughs> that was. Uh, yeah. And you're like, you want to talk about a bad day? Um, and, and I won't even tell the rest of that story. But yeah, just yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a different uh, kind of bad day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a, you know, a bad commute in DC, which, you know, admittedly is uh, <laughs> difficult, um, you know, but compared to war zone. Mm, you know, it's well, and, all and in that story, you were also coming off of a plane like uh, hives and anaphylactic shock. And like yeah. you're like, and I got to get this thing done. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're doing it so that you can go into a war zone sooner rather than saying, uh, you know, yeah. I'm actually going to take this week off and, and I can fail gun training. And like, maybe I should just take a week off. And you're like, no, you're committed to the job. But yeah, it's it's this. And again, it's, it's so this incredible. It, and it's, it's, it's so super interesting having known you around like, if we, cause I, I don't know if I would categorize you as a type A personality, right? But it is that like, I wanna win. I wanna, it is an interesting- I am very type A, but it's weird because I do it with a smile. 
So I'm super type A, I'm super competitive. And he, again, me, I'm like full of contradictions. Mm-hmm. Um, yet I do want to help other people succeed right. too. So I'm that weird. I don't know person. if it's type A, B or whatever we, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, you know, I've done a lot of interesting research around uh, personality. Have you done, I know they did, uh, I think they make you go through the Myers-Briggs, right? They uh, did, yeah. That was the main yes. one. Um, and I've seen some interesting like question marks about the the usefulness. And there, there's actually a thing on HBO as a complete side note about the Myers-Briggs. And they talk about how it was like developed by this mother and daughter as yeah. like, yeah. And so super interesting how it was developed, mm-hmm. what it's used for. But um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Have you seen yes. that one? Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that's not something they necessarily use, but it's something you've done kind of since. Uh, yeah, I did that. Uh, yeah, it's been, been a long time, but I did that. And that was quite interesting too. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to like the, the major stress of working in that crazy environment. Um, it was so interesting, Bo, to see. We thankfully had a lot of managers that said, you need to get out of away from your desk and you need to go work out mm-hmm. every day if you can. And there were a couple people who weren't into exercising and working out and, and um, they didn't do it. But the rest of us really tried very hard um, at some point in the afternoon, get up, get away from your desk, go work out. And you think to yourself, aren't you too exhausted to work out? Right. And I was. What I really found that would just change my life in terms of my perception of wellness and working out and energy level was I could not get through the rest of the day in Baghdad if I did not get that workout in. In fact, it was critical in order. So I would leave my desk around probably about 4, 4.30. I would go change in my workout clothes, go to the gym, which was in a hardened facility, which was nice if they started you know, shooting rockets, we were okay. <laughs> And we didn't have to run. Um, well, you're running I, on a treadmill. <laughs> well, you're yeah, exercise. Right. Yeah. Instead of running. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's. <laughs> yeah. So you'd spend an hour working out, and then you'd go take a shower, and then you'd go run to the chow hall, grab your your food, and then bring it back to your desk. If I did not have that one hour workout, I could not physically make it to 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 12 p.m. In some cases, 1 a.m to work the rest of the day. Um, I needed the endorphins. I needed whatever that did to get the blood flow through the body. And the few times where, you know, maybe I was slightly sick and I couldn't work out, I had to leave the office by eight or nine and I just thought I was gonna die. So I found that I realized you don't wait to feel good to work out, you work out to feel better. Mm -hmm. And that's another part of my sales pitchy thing of, do I let the people who have that mindset uh, that you're talking about of, uh, not to make this all about me at this point, but, uh, <laughs> but when I, when I approach people and they're like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to get in shape first before I start working with you. And I'm like, that's, that's Mm-mm. just absurd. Right. It's, it's, yeah, no, I'm here to help you take that journey and take that step and get off the couch or whatever it is. So it's, it's interesting where there, it, there's just, it's a mindset shift of I'm going to invest in my body. Uh, I've been using the term of a physical retirement plan as so many people, uh, have this, Ooh. yeah, have this financial okay. retirement plan, but most people like just don't prioritize their own fitness. And they're like, yeah, I'm making money. You know, I'm trying to support my family. So I don't have time for myself. And it is the, if you, you know, not to push meditation, but it's the old, I think it's a Buddhist saying, if you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, you have to take an hour to meditate. Like it, <laughs> you have to, and that's very, I agree a hundred percent. And, um, I found that also, 
it disconnected my brain. So obviously we were dealing with really heavy topics. I mean, terrorism, uh, seeing photos of tortured Iraqi people who didn't agree with Al-Qaeda, seeing um, photos of you know, dead terrorists. I mean, this was heavy, heavy stuff. Every hour of the day and every day for a year. And so it was so um, refreshing to, to get on that treadmill. And this is the dumbest thing. I, I am not into like, uh, like magazines, those OK magazines or those... Um, <laughs> glossy, whatever. But who, you know, people would somehow these magazines found their way into the workout room. And <laughs> for the first time in my life, I get those stupid magazines and I wanted to know what is the color of the season? Why? Because they just didn't <laughs> want to think about terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never been so happy to look at it, the new shoe that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and because it disconnected you, you needed to take your brain into a different spot to kind of hard reset it. Mm-hmm. to to give it a break from the heaviness of what you were dealing with and the, right. and, the, and the intellectual challenge of what we were doing every day. And so I also do that now. What I love what you said about um, taking time out to meditate or to pray. Hey, every day, I pretty much die a little bit around three and four in, in the afternoon. <laughs> like I am worthless and mm-hmm. I could sit at my desk and I could try to get something done for another hour or two why it will be crap. It will be useless. I got to get up from my desk. Like I was in Baghdad. I have to go work out. I have to go read a book. I have to go anything, get my mind off what I'm doing, get the blood flowing. And then I can resume around, you know, five-ish. If I still need to do work, I can get back on. It is about um, maximizing energy flow by knowing when to walk away from the intensity. And I, I mean, uh, this is a really smooth shout out to my ex-girlfriend, your sister, Julie, uh, mm-hmm. and her book, Work Revolution of, yeah, like, and, and, and again, with what ha- what's happened with COVID, I don't, I, I haven't kept up with uh, what Julie's been doing since I have a new wife and all, but um, it's, it's uh, I'm curious if, you know, w- what her take on some of this stuff would be around, yeah, this entire shift of working from home, so many companies saying, oh, like, you can be just as productive um, you know, still getting your stuff done. We, we're going to trust you to not, you know, waste our time or our money um, and, and be productive and, and find those ways to do that. And yeah. you get to spend more time with your family and you're saving mm-hmm. two hours of commute time a day or whatever the Washington DC, yeah. uh, you know, it's equivalent yeah. to a war zone apparently. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super interesting <laughs> where I think um, people can find those, those ability to change. The other thing that comes out of a lot of what you're talking about here is that resilience, right? You talk mm-hmm. about that a lot of going through this incredibly stressful, all this stuff is is resilient. And I don't know if you're familiar with um, Nassim Taleb's book, Anti-Fragile. And, no, and, but and, I like the title. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's the really cool thing is, uh, I don't know. And again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you know the difference between the definitions of resilience versus anti-fragility? Uh, I would assume it's pretty similar. (laughs) (laughs) So the way he, the way he defines it. And I think the way it's, it's laid out is resilience is the ability to go through something stressful, like you're surviving it and then you can get back to baseline anti-fragility or fragility would just be like crumbling and becoming worse. Right. Anti-fragility is actually getting stronger from Mm, the way he defines it anyway. And so it's just, it's a little bit of a semantical thing, but at the same time, it's a very cool distinction to see um, what you're talking about. And that is working out. Sometimes working out is 
bringing you back to like this good baseline and you can keep functioning rather than continuing yes. to crumble uh, versus, and again, going through these different war zone things and, and you know, mm -hmm. you're talking about, oh my God, I don't want to go, like, this is the last place we want to be. We just had this nice assignment in, uh, and you that country was redacted, the second one, the nice yeah. one you guys um, yeah. were in. Um, and so yeah. you're like, yeah, this is a dream. And then they're like, hey, by the way, we need you over there in this yeah. you know, crazy <laughs> place. So. Uh, and a the ability to to look at that and say, okay, like I'm, this is what we got to do, and and at the same time, we're going to come out of this stronger. Yeah, uh, and that's that anti fragility concept that I think is is super cool. So on the uh, back to the physical side, outside of like realizing how important it is and forcing yourself almost to, you know, okay, I don't feel good, but if I work out, I'm actually going to feel good. Um, how I was going to ask, do, does the CIA have any physical requirements? I know they had the gun training and things like that you talk about, but it, was there any like, you have to be able to run a mile under this amount of time or anything like that? No. Um, so to become an intelligence officer, you have to you know pass a battery of tests, none of which are um, like wellness based besides, you mm. know, drug testing and you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But in terms, you don't, it's not like the FBI to become an FBI agent. You do have to do all right. that stuff. Um, However, at the end of our intelligence officer tradecraft training, if we passed this um, big physical exam, uh, running uh, two miles and a certain number of sit-ups and push-ups, mm -hmm. then we got to take extra paramilitary courses mm -hmm. that help prepare us for war zones and things like that. So that was the only time in which that was required. Um, but otherwise, if it's more of a mental game. Intelligence and espionage is definitely a brain game and a... yeah. Yeah. Well, you also tell the story of uh, your uh, the original on the X training where you were in the car and you knew the ambush was coming and the guy you looked at next to you was not in the best shape. And you were <laughs> yeah. like and you were able to make that decision like I'm not going to be able to escape through his side because he's going to struggle. And you made that snap judgment and you're like, I got to go through the front and then get yeah. out that way. And he unfortunately like rolled out and, and kind of <laughs> rolled his ankle and um but yeah, it's, it's, it's that ability to a little bit of, you know, that physical preparedness and again, CrossFit yeah. for, uh, which is where I kind of based uh, a decent amount of training. And a lot of my work is around saying you have, you have to be prepared, you know, physically prepared for all this crazy stuff. We're not going to throw you in a war zone necessarily, but you should be yeah. able to, you know, have the physical capacity to say, yeah, I need to be able to whatever scale that fence to save my mm -hmm. life or get out of the way of a, of a speeding car or, or again, like, you know, yeah. unfortunately being here in Colorado, there seem to be a lot of mass shootings. So, uh, <laughs> you know, right. I, I'm not sure if I'm ready for, for weapons training yet, or if I need to be, but at least having the you know ability to, to, to be able to get out of the way of some, some things or, or whatever that is. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's something that's, um, super interesting to, to look at of, of, yeah, the physical preparedness and also, yeah, just, just feeling better and being able to even have the mental gains uh, by the physical yes. gains. So that's all, all super interesting. But yeah, it's interesting they didn't necessarily have uh, prerequisites. Obviously, at the end of the day, they, they want the people who can have the best minds and, and the, sometimes that doesn't come with the best bodies <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Really, yeah. But they were looking for your ability to operate under extreme stress mm -hmm. well and to think clearly and maneuver yourself under massive stress. So, you know, and I think actually when you work out and when you care about wellness, you are, I think you are better able to to bounce back under stress. Mm -hmm. I think that's part physical and mental. We, we often um, in our culture, like separate the two, right. aren't they kind of all intertwined? Yeah. 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 
Uh, and, and, and again, like the CrossFit thing for me is always, if I have an assignment or, or I have to do my taxes or whatever, um, it, it always comes back to like, yeah, if I'm doing a workout that has 500 of whatever squats or pushups, like I'm always counting that down. And I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about it very systematically. Like, okay, I just did 10. Okay. I'm going to rest a little. I'm going to do another 10. And that, that is somewhat interesting. I've definitely studied a lot of that personality type, um, of how you attack tasks. And some yes. people just need to keep going. Keep going. Other people need that. You're going to do 10. You're going to yeah. take three breaths. You're going to do another 10. Or then yep. you're starting to get tired. You're going to do nine. But at the end of the day, you're chipping away that task. The task is get this workout done. Sometimes mm -hmm. the task is figure out if this guy's a terrorist or not, or like if he's mm -hmm. being genuine. So, but it is that like I need to read through 700 pieces of information and intel yeah. and figure out what's useful, what's not. But it's, and you know, you're just dedicated to that one task in front of you. So there is some interesting parallels on the physical side. We do have another question here, if you're all right with it. Same guy, Michael, is uh, do you do anything daily that makes you not panic when there is chaos surrounding you? Um, yeah, so for me, it is prayer, um, for sure. And just, um, I think fundamentally, I trust that there's a higher purpose, so that even when things go wrong or there's chaos, um, I, I, I know there's still a purpose and a way forward and meaning. And I think people without meaning or purpose are kind of lost. And right. I think my ability to be resilient and to live in a lot of chaos and survive chaos and even thrive in it is because I do believe there's a, um, a larger calling and a larger purpose and good things can even come out of bad things. So I think that's what keeps me um, focused and grounded. Awesome. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. And yeah, there's the other, uh, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. And yeah, a lot of people don't have that why. And, and you know, yeah. relating over to sales and companies and things like that is, you know, a lot of companies are like, we're selling coffee. It's like, no, you're trying to help people get through their day. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that's really the thing. Like, and so if you can connect to that deeper why or what the company's intentions are, that's why Starbucks is going to be more successful than whoever else. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah. So if, you, if you're not more uh, connected with that, why, or someone else comes into the company and they don't understand that mission, mm -hmm. um, same thing. Like they're like, yeah, we're just selling coffee here. It's like, no, you're missing the point of the why, the purpose. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting of saying like, yeah, I mean, I want to save lives. Like that's, that's my purpose, you know, and yeah. I know that the skill set I have is going to be better than most other people's skill sets. Um, so yeah, super, super interesting uh, there. Um, I, yeah, we covered a lot of fun stuff. We um, did. <laughs> um, what, uh, this might be a little off off base, but um, so yeah, I, I, again, I know you talked about the Mr. and Mrs. Smith comparisons with you and Joseph, um, your husband, who, and you got to work together as husband and wife yeah. um, through the whole thing, which again, from a again, physiological standpoint, um, I imagine people in your situation who don't have somebody to rely on, and again, I've heard you guys talk about this on some different uh, interviews and things like that. Uh, those who don't have that uh, person and there's that loneliness to it and you have to keep these secrets, I'm sure uh, it's necessary, but it becomes a huge strain. Um, and now with COVID and everything, a lot there was a recent study showing that every day of loneliness is physiologically the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's um, crazy, but yeah. I believe it. Yeah. 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 So that loneliness bit. So, um, Again, marriage is hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. and, and again, that Mr. and Mrs. Smith movie was kind of funny to that point of like, there's going to be some some conflict there. But it was interesting. Um, 
I imagine, yeah, you guys had a very different relationship. I'm thinking of my current relationship and I've, I'm in some men's groups and we talk about some of these topics of, I don't know if you can answer this question, uh, but it, <laughs> it's, it's just a random thought. And I thought it'd be interesting to go there of, you talked about again, like how much do you share uh, and and maybe is and the same thing maybe with different resources and things like that you have to obviously choose which bits of data to share. Um, so again, like you know, I have to start filtering. I feel in marriage, like I just know this is going to lead to a less than ideal outcome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and, you know, cold wisdom, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. but is there? Yeah, I wonder if there's any uh, correlation to what you've noticed in your personal life, your marriage, your friendships. Uh, like you, you know, you, again, you talk about. Uh, you have to make that decision of which people in your life you even told you were going to be in the CIA that can handle yeah. that. And yeah. uh, again, Megan Kelly's, you know, when she, when you did that interview, she is like, I couldn't tell my mom because my mom's going to be like, Megan's in the CIA to everyone. Right. And and so that's not great. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the question being uh, is, is, yeah, how do you filter that? Is there anything within like, you know, not to put you on the spot around your, yeah. your actual marriage? Um, and Joseph's watching and he's like, oh, so you didn't tell me that. No. <laughs> so I think, you know, you have to know what works for you. And there are people have told me like, if, if my wife and I work together, my husband and I work together, we'd kill each other. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think for us, it was really uh, critical to have your partner by your side because we were in really dangerous places. And even within the CIA, our career trajectory was very unusual. And we went to many, many difficult and many dangerous places one after the other. And um, I couldn't have done that alone. So to have the person by your side that not only you can share everything with, but you're experiencing it together was really critical to surviving a lot of that. Um, and I think our partnership is really different because we're so similar. So you know, in our free time, we, we talk terrorism. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, we talk Middle East, we talk politics, we talk um, foreign affairs issues. So we're really on the same page and we have some, you know, our interests are, you know, perfectly aligned. Uh, you know, I think for us, maybe the challenge is you know, I need, I need some time on my own, you know, yeah. so I'm going to, I'm going to go out with my girlfriend. And I think for us, because we spend so much time together and our lives are so intertwined, you have to know when to give each other a break. Mm -hmm. And that's a very healthy thing to do as well. So thankfully I was never in a, in, in a, a type of relationship or position where I had to uh, keep anything from him. Um, we, we both had the same clearances and same mm -hmm. access to secret information. So uh, again, we were on the same computer system working all the same <laughs> issues. It was, uh, there was no mystery about what the other person was dealing with. And for us that worked and I'm very grateful for it, for that kind of a partnership. Except when he didn't tell you, cause he was six months ahead of you in training when you first started <laughs> out and he, he didn't tell you what was coming, which twists and turns for the sake of the, Yes, you know, yes, because uh, that, that would have, uh, yeah, not been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But other than that, that's good. Uh, yeah, so no, thank you for sharing that. That's a that's a very cool uh, bit of, of advice for sure. Um, yeah, I think we, we covered a lot of the things I wanted to talk about for sure. And yeah, like, I guess the other question maybe a lot of folks are wondering is, uh, uh, how is retired life? Like, are you able yeah. to, to be like, oh, yeah, like, there's no bombs. Like there's no, <laughs> we're in the middle. Uh, 
retired life is bliss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, there are no bombs. I live in a beautiful place. I'm very grateful that I live, I have water here. So I'm no longer in the desert. Mm. Uh, there's wildlife. I am, um, I think, I think that all those years of sacrifice and difficulty, it's just so nice to see in the end that they pay off, right? right? So now I'm living in a very peaceful, lovely place. I can choose the projects that I do, you know, as a keynote speaker, um, Ed, Joseph and I both working as consultants, you take whatever projects you desire and you can walk away from others. It's a, just a really, when we were in the middle of that crazy life, there were moments where I was like, I cannot go on and I don't know what the point of this is, but I'm really glad that I held on because at the end of the day, what we did was amazing, hard, but amazing. And now we are reaping the fruit of all of that hard work. So I am so grateful. And my most difficult choice is which salad dressing to buy in the <laughs> grocery store. <laughs> avoid, avoid the canola oil. Exactly. Canola oil. Um, yeah, no, and, and again, like, you probably, you know, I, I wonder, yeah, again, the measure of it all of like, how many lives did you save and how many, you know, like that's, that's super interesting. Again, on, on, on top of the refugee story yeah. you guys had, but like that yeah. impact, it, it's probably super difficult to measure. Um, it is. Know. So when I tell you that meaning is everything for me, you can see, like, um, I, I just really don't think life is worth living unless you have a purpose, unless you have something that drives you forward to do something for other people. And that sounds very cheesy, but really, that is the thing that drives me in just about everything that I do. Right. And you're still able to find some meaning and continue to yeah. do positive oh, yeah. things within within what your message is and everything. And that's uh, again, something that's come out in, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Blue Zones, um, which studied the cities around the world that had the longest lifespan, mm -hmm. most centenarians, and they looked at those lifestyles and said, like, what do they have in common? Uh, so one of the things that came out of, um, it was Okinawa, Japan, mm -hmm. uh, and they, they looked at that, they, that was identified as one of the five healthiest, uh, longest living kind of people's uh, cities. So what they identified there is a word called ikigai. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Have you, have you heard that I, word? I read it a while ago, but I don't remember. So basically it, it translates to um, having a purpose. So mm -hmm. having like a, a reason you wake up and what they do in their community is they take the elders and the elders teach the youth. Um, so that's their purpose. Uh, whereas again, here in America, you have people retiring and then they play golf and like, that's their purpose. And they're reading the newspaper and maybe they have grandkids and maybe there's something there, but, but yeah, a lot of people struggle, I think with yeah. that lack of, and, and maybe they find meaning in politics and arguing about it and, and all these different right. kind of things that can sometimes turn less than ideal. And, you know, we can criticize that, but that's not, we're not going to do that. Um, but, but yeah, super interesting. And, and again, super, uh, it's just powerful stuff to be connected to that purpose. And again, a lot mm -hmm. of people, um, you know, work for the sake of making money and, and that's unfortunate to, yeah. you know, I've always, uh, seen a lot of my colleagues and, and growing up with Facebook, you see people posting, Oh, can't wait till on Monday. They're like, can't wait till Friday, like going to drink on Friday and, and have fun. And like, what are you doing? You know, what's that five out of seven days? Like you're, yeah. you know, the majority of your life is, is going to, you know, and again, I, I understand that people have to work, and I think you and I are lucky that we found these callings that, and we were connected to our purpose. And sometimes it takes a long time. Yeah. And and you didn't really have that 
purpose per se until yeah again you lucked into it right um and that and that again yeah. is a message i think that's that's worth sharing for a lot of folks who might feel lost in yes. especially in this crazy world and time of covid and you have yes. all these high school kids who are graduating and uh might feel like oh like i was planning to do this in-person stuff that no longer exists like because yeah. you know it just it just went away or that that industry or they they want to be a movie theater manager in movie theaters or something that might not be here right uh, very soon so yeah. yeah if you want encouragement read breaking cover the whole point of me sharing about how i got into the agency and how long that took and all the rejections the whole point of what is for anyone who is experiencing rejection and cannot figure out what in the world they're supposed to be doing hang in there long enough for your purpose to be revealed because for some of us it takes a while mm -hmm. as it did for me and i just you know people look at me now and like wow it's so amazing so much purpose so great so wonderful and i'm like you need to look at the beginning mm -hmm. the hardest beginnings it, it doesn't suggest to you that you're like totally lost forever like right. sometimes the hardest beginnings are the best endings mm -hmm. and um so my purpose in writing breaking cover was to share the pain and to share the the, the suffering that i felt be, so that you could uh, see how the purpose came into being and my goal in that was to give um was to encourage and inspire other people who are living in that, you know, what I call often the terrible twenties. <laughs> you're trying to figure <laughs> out what the heck you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, yeah, that, no, and it was very, very well received in, I think in the book. And again, um, yeah, outside the, the, of the spy aspect of it, of yeah. like, what is it like in the middle East? And, and again, I got to be there for two and a half years. I was in Dubai. So I would say, um, I, I was pretty sheltered from seeing some of the stuff I did go to the, the closest I came to anything like that was, um, I, I got to work with one of the crown princes of, um, oh, Bahrain. And, uh, he, he, you know, we flew over there and, uh, you know, his family was, was on the, they had some, some people who didn't like them. And, uh, you know, it was like death to his last name. Um, and, and he was driving me around and he had guns in the, in the, the back seat and, and I'm like, oh, okay. So in case something goes down, like I need to grab, okay, cool. Um, and I wasn't quite prepared for that. And it's yeah, comforting. like, and, and that was like the Shiites and the Sunnis and, and all that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like that, this is, yeah. this is, we're here. Like, this is a thing. I'm like, am I, am I safe? Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, luckily again, overall my, my two and a half years out there was relatively uneventful and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience for sure to, to be anywhere near some of that stuff. And again, moving out there and you talked about it, like people are like, oh, you're going to get your, your hand chopped off for, for doing this, that, or the other thing. I'm like, Dubai's a little bit more progressive. Oh um, yeah. People's lack of understanding in the Middle East is very embarrassing, especially here in America. We don't, uh, the UAE well, is very different from Saudi, yeah. which is different from Egypt, from Libya, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and my wife's from Lebanon and yeah. where you where Joseph totally was born. Different. Totally different. But at yeah. the same time, the depiction in, in Hollywood movies, there was recently one with, I think, um, John Hamm. And it was, I think it was called like Beirut or something like that. And it depicted it as this like completely war torn city. <laughs> whereas I got to visit Beirut and it's, it's, <laughs> it does have some areas that are, you know, have some bombs, you know, some damage from, from different explosions and things like that. And even going back to the, the, when Israel attacked them in like 2006 and there's still damage. And my wife's pointing some of this out to me and, and, but at the same time, it's, it's an incredible city and it has amazing architecture and, and they call it the Paris of the Middle East mm -hmm. um, and things like that. So it's, but versus how it's depicted and yeah. as this, you know, yeah. it's, 
super interesting on on that front. And yeah, again, I would love to geek out on on the like, what about this movie? What about that movie? But, but again, <laughs> I, I I'll tell people to go to that Business Insider uh, YouTube thing, and I might even be able to put that link uh, in one of the video in the down below or whatever. But yeah, yeah. So I want to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on on an hour, and um, yes. unless there's anything else specific you wanted to to get out there. Oh, I'm just delighted to have this conversation with you, Bo, and I hope it was helpful to some of your listeners, some of the audience. Uh, hopefully we hit on something that, you know, sparks something in them. That's mm -hmm, definitely absolutely. the point. <laughs> now everyone wants to run out and become a, a CIA agent. <laughs> One more time, guys, breaking cover uh, available in all bookstores. Support your local bookstore if you can. If, if not, do the Amazon thing. Um, I guess it's on, it's all, all over the place and, um, yeah, leave reviews, do all that good stuff, support it. Uh, again, if you want to support this podcast, leave comments, reviews, all that stuff down below, share, like all that, whatever magical things happen, internet, good to do that. Um, but yes, thank you again, Michelle, for your time and sharing the story. And yeah, like you said, hopefully that's always my, my goal is, is, you know, get 1% better every day. That's what I, is my like little tagline. And so, yeah, hopefully this got somebody a little bit in that better direction um, by telling a, a bit of a different story than what I normally talk about. Um, Amen to here. that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, again, appreciate it. And um, we will sign off. And hopefully again, if you guys have questions and you want to reach out, is, is there some place that if folks want to check you out? Um, I know you have, it's your full name, right? MichelleRigbyAsad.com. Mm -hmm. And um, they, there's a form on the website if they'd like to send me a message. There. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, all Instagram. Those, all stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So she's pretty, she's pretty available now that she's not <laughs> yes. undercover. Um, she broke Correct. cover as the book says, breaking cover. <laughs> yes. Anyway. All right. Well, um, thank you again. And we'll sign off and boom, done. And